This is the Tallahassee Business Podcast. Over the next few weeks, our mission is to bring you interviews with key leaders and community members with information you can use while we work together to navigate the impacts of the COVID-19 coronavirus. The Tallahassee Business Podcast is presented by the 223 Agency, a digital relations firm. Hey there, Tallahassee. Jay Revel here. Welcome to another special edition of the Tallahassee Business Podcast. Uh, we are coming to you again through this uh, very unique, uh, hopefully once-in-a-lifetime crisis that we are all going through as uh, a state and nation right now with the COVID-19 coronavirus. Uh, I know you all are doing the best you can to work remotely, stay socially distant, and adhere to the guidelines being made clear to us on a day-to-day basis by um, all authorities across our country. And there's um, a, a lot to be paying attention to right now, folks. We know news is coming at a pretty rapid pace and things are fluid and, and constantly changing. And in our effort to make sure you have the latest, greatest information and very valuable intelligence about how you and your business and your community uh, can make it through this, we are bringing you our podcast on a weekly basis. And we're trying to bring you guests that have a, 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 particularly important information that you need to know right now. And today's guest, uh, I should say guests plural, uh, both bring that kind of information to the table. We're very fortunate to have uh, U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Florida, Larry Keefe, uh, on the line with us today, as well as Assistant U.S. Attorney Justin Keene, who's going to be joining us a little later, to talk about fraud prevention uh, and the measures that are being taken by their office and the Department of Justice to ensure uh, the safety of all of our public during this time. There's a lot of strange things that start happening right now when you see our norms start to break up uh, across uh, a variety of channels. But we're very lucky to have a few minutes here with U.S. Attorney Larry Keefe, Northern District of Florida, Mr. U.S. Attorney, welcome to the program. We appreciate your time. Thanks for all that you're doing for our state and nation uh, in our community. And just want to welcome you to the show and, and, and thank you for being with us. Thank you very much, Jay, for thinking to have uh, Justin and me on the show with you. We're glad to be here. And, uh, and we definitely want to uh, talk about what we do in the U.S. Attorney's Office and in the Department of, Ju- in the Department of Justice in this uh, crisis that we're in with the uh, coronavirus. Well, we appreciate your time. And uh, before we really jump into the, the meat of the discussion, I want to give you an opportunity just to uh, just to say hello, maybe a brief introduction to yourself uh, and how you came to be the U.S. Attorney. You've been on the job now uh, for, for how long? Uh, what, maybe a, a year or two years? Getting close to a year and a half. Okay, wonderful. Um, could you tell us a little bit of just about your background and how you came to this position uh, first off? Certainly. Uh, I've always had a, a desire to engage in public service of some sort. And uh, after a little over 30 years in the private sector uh, leading a, a private law firm, I had the uh, fortunate privilege and great honor to be appointed by the President of the United States and confirmed by the Senate to be a uh, the U.S. Attorney here in the Northern District of Florida, which stretches from Pensacola to Gainesville. Wonderful. Uh, I know you all uh, are staying very vigilant, very busy right now. There's a lot of interesting activity happening throughout our country and our economy. 
And uh, you mentioned in a previous discussion that we had uh, leading up to this call uh, that the U.S. Department of Justice has issued some guidelines for, for offices around the country. And maybe first of all, could you tell everyone a little bit about what that DOJ system looks like and what now uh, with the coronavirus uh, really uh, having a firm grip over our entire economy, can you tell us a little bit about what guidelines you've all been given to uh, look out and protect the public during this time? Certainly. Uh, well, as everyone knows, Attorney General Barr uh, is in Washington at uh, what we refer to as Maine Justice with uh, the folks uh, up there. And there are 94 uh, districts around the country as well as in the Pacific Ocean with the Marianas Islands and Guam and the Virgin Islands and uh, uh, Puerto Rico. And there are 93 U.S. attorneys and 93 uh, U.S. attorneys' offices around the country. And Attorney General Barr has issued a very uh, uh, strong directive to all of the U.S. attorneys that we are to focus on uh, scams and frauds uh, arising from or related to this uh, coronavirus crisis that we're in. So that is a, uh, a, a key objective. Uh, we are focused on that. Uh, and that also accompanies kind of a, an ever-present mission that we have, and that is to protect people and uphold the Constitution. And there are some outside the United States and inside the United States that uh, perhaps perceive a, a, uh, a time of vulnerability, uh, or as you pointed out earlier, the norms are a little off. And so the Department of Defense, the intelligence community, and the Department of Justice are all vigilant, watching and observing to see if any foreign or domestic bad actors uh, choose this as a time to, uh, uh, to come after the U.S., uh, not only in the coronavirus-related frauds and scams. You know, one of the things that I think uh, has been particularly impressive about your office uh, in the year and a half that you've been there I feel personally like I've seen and heard uh, more from the U.S. Attorney's Office here in the Northern District of Florida, maybe than I ever have. And I feel like your office has continued to do a very strong public outreach about the work that you're doing uh, and how people as everyday citizens can play a role in supporting that work uh, that you do to help protect us all uh, through a law enforcement capacity. So one of the things I would ask you, you know, about this uh, ongoing pandemic is what what are the the things that you really want uh, our citizens in this area this part of the world to know uh, more than anything about the work you all are doing right now and how they can support it well sure Jay on the on the first uh, point I come from the private sector but I grew up in a military family and and I my wife and I have four sons two of whom are in public service one's a secret service agent one's in the United States Air Force and so we uh, um, I raised them, and I grew up in a, in a very uh, uh, public service-oriented community over in Okaloosa County. But this is my first occasion to serve or provide public service, and uh, and I think it's very important that these amazing people, you'll hear from one of our assistant U.S. attorneys, Justin Keene, in a moment, that often work in the shadows that are relatively un unknown, but do amazing and extraordinary and very, very important work along with our state, state and local law enforcement partners. And I think it's as important that they continue to do the great justice that they do uh, with the Department of Justice and the U.S. Attorney's Office, but I think it's also important that justice be seen to be done, that the public know and understand they have these amazing, talented people like Justin Keene that are there working for them each and every day. People see and hear from their elected uh, sheriffs. They see and hear from their police chiefs. 
but not too often do they hear from their local U.S. Attorney's Office. So I think it's important to not only do the mission and do the job of doing justice, but also to let the public see what's being done on their behalf. That's, uh, you know, my view of, as why you pointed out, we're engaging in outreach. Uh, uh, number two, or another component of that, is uh, Attorney General Barr and the Department of Justice relies on the 93 U.S. attorneys around the country to amplify his directives and messages to make certain that they're not just heard in the echoes of Washington, but out in the communities that make up, uh, make up this great uh, country. Uh, now, in regard to the important things, uh, particularly from a business owner standpoint, I know your organization is, is uh, the, the people that uh, meet payrolls, private business, uh, some nonprofits, but uh, uh, what they need to know and that I want to communicate is that uh, the rule of law is, uh, is being protected and the Constitution is being protected. The U.S. Attorney's Office and the Department of Justice under Attorney General Barr has emphasized very heavily working very closely with sheriffs, police officers, uh, state law enforcement agencies like the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. All of us are communicating. Uh, we're communica communicating more in this crisis in the last few weeks than we ever have to make certain that we're combined, we're coordinated, we're deconflicted, and we're working together to protect people uh, in this time of crisis and then specifically on the 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 opportunities that arise for the criminal mindset when there are things like stimulus dollars flowing, people and businesses applying for those dollars, uh, the distribution, distribution uh, of those dollars, uh, as well as uh, whether there are those who would have intentions to do violent crime or property crime or just engage in chaos to make certain that we're there, the courthouses are open, the prosecutors are on duty ready for business, to provide general order and stability uh, in the country during this time. Uh, I, I think that's incredibly important for people to hear, and you know, I, I know that will bring a sense of comfort to many who are listening that uh, all of our law enforcement officials are working in a very coordinated uh, manner through this. And you, know, you use the word coordination there, uh, which I think is important and relevant to maybe a good segue uh, to bring on the assistant to U.S. Attorney Justin King, uh, who you have declared to be the coronavirus fraud coordinator for your office. Before we bring Justin on, can you can you tell us a little bit about the decision to appoint someone within your staff to specifically focus on these things and why that matters? Yes, Jay. Well, I, I wish I could say that it was my idea and that I came up with it, but I didn't. Uh, Attorney General Barr uh, decided that each of the U.S. Attorney's offices, uh, it was to direct someone that had particular skill in financial fraud, financial crimes, which is a particular subset of area of expertise uh, in each of the offices. And it was rather uh, straightforward and a simple task for me to, to put forward the person who had the best skill sets and that would uh, fit well with a proven track record of working very well with our state and local partners, other federal law enforcement agencies and also with Maine Justice and the other U.S. Attorney's Office. As you will see in a moment, Justin Keene is a great communicator. He's a team player. He's brilliant in regard to his mastery of the subject matter. And uh, we're very proud that he is our outward-looking face, uh, both with the Department of Justice and with other U.S. Attorney's Offices around the country and with all the state and local law enforcement folks here in the, in the Northern District. We are now joined by Assistant U.S. Attorney Justin Keene, who, as I mentioned earlier, has 
the title now of being uh, the coronavirus fraud coordinator for the Northern District uh, of Florida. Uh, Mr. Assistant U.S. Attorney, welcome to the show. We are awfully glad to have you. Thanks for having me. One of the things, you know, earlier we were speaking uh, as a precursor to this conversation, uh, and, I, and I found your role to just be particularly important. And I know there was there were a number of things you all are looking at uh, uh, particularly close right now. Can you paint us a picture for what the workload looks like uh, within the office right now and what kinds of fraud in particular you're looking at? Uh, that maybe seems to be uh, a little prevalent in these times? Yes, sir. Uh, we're seeing uh, a few different types of scams. Uh, they, they come in different flavors, uh, one of which involves the Internet and, and email. Uh, and we're seeing uh, emails or uh, solicitations for donations, for instance, to charities that are either non-existent uh, or that are not for the purpose that is advertised. Uh, we're also seeing uh, phishing or malware attempts uh, where they, you, there may be a post on Facebook or on the Internet uh, about the coronavirus, and when people click on that post, it actually takes them to a different website, uh, which either can install malware on their computers uh, or is a website that looks like it's a legitimate site, for instance, the CDC or the World Health Organization. Uh, however, that website is actually not legitimate and it would uh, solicit information from uh, internet users such as social security numbers or date of birth uh, which is an attempt to try to get uh, personal identifying information for, to be used later in fraud. Uh, another another thing we're seeing is uh, false advertisements for uh, COVID-19 cures or vaccines uh, which are not yet uh, for sale or even uh, established. Um, the people during this crisis are uh, clicking on links that purportedly selling cures or vaccines for COVID-19, uh, which again either can install malware uh, or could be an attempt to get their personal identifying information or is just a scam uh, to get their, their money uh, where no product is really going to be delivered in, at all. The other thing we're seeing um, is a lot of advertisements or solicitations for um, this, the coronavirus stimulus checks, uh, no one is really going to be uh, contacting individuals from the government asking for their social security number or, or date of birth or even their account number. Uh, the way that I understand it to be set up is it, uh, the, the stimulus checks are going to be distributed based on the 2018 or 2019 uh, tax filings and the account number that was used uh, to receive the tax refunds. So nobody should be giving out their personal identifying information to any individuals uh, over the phone or in an email uh, because the government's not going to be calling people asking for that information on the phone. Um, so that's mainly what we've been seeing. We've also been seeing some door-to-door -door, um, criminal activity uh, in some parts of the state. Um, for instance, uh, people dressed in white lab coats knocking on people's doors, and especially the elderly, uh, telling them that they are with the Department of Health or that Vice President uh, Pence has ordered that they come over and, and do uh, coronavirus testing. And in a lot of instances, this is a, a front uh, for a burglary or a home invasion robbery uh, where once the homeowner lets the person in, they either uh, rob them uh, or while they're distracting the homeowner, their cohorts run around the back of the house and enter the home and ransack it uh, while they're distracted. Uh, so those are two 
uh, different areas that we've been seeing uh, some activity during this uh, pandemic. And then lastly, uh, we've been uh, concerned about either hoarding or price gouging uh, of critical uh, supplies such as masks, gloves, uh, and ventilators. And so we've been uh, in contact with local law enforcement and state and federal law enforcement uh, to try to find out if any of this activity is going on uh, where people are hoarding these supplies uh, or then advertising them for sale at, uh, you know, three, four, five, ten times the normal selling price. Well, you really hate to hear that there are people uh, in our population that would take advantage of such a trying and difficult time for so many, but it does happen, um, and and all too often, unfortunately. But um uh, Hearing those things, I wonder are there are there any recommendations your office might have for how people can protect themselves during these times where fraud tends to be a more uh, prevalent part of our world? Oh, definitely. Uh, in terms of uh, the email scams, uh, one thing to to consider is um, you know not to click on any links or open any attachments that are sent in an email, uh, especially from sources that people don't know. Um, like I said, they, a lot of links. Will, are redirecting uh, users to other websites uh, where malware or uh, ransomware could be uh, used. Um, if there's an email that looks legitimate that has a link, for instance, from uh, from like a bank or credit union, the best thing to do is to go directly to the internet browser and type in the address that the, that the customer is used to using, uh, and then log in directly from there. But clicking on a link that purports to be from their bank uh, may not really be what it purports to be. Um, the other thing is, uh, if if a, if a user is unsure whether an email is legitimate, they should contact the company directly, um, which is uh, the phone number that's on their statements. For instance, if it's a bank, uh, call the phone number that they're used to using, or call the phone number uh, printed on their on their monthly statement and con contact them to verify that that's a legitimate email. Uh, in terms of computer or online fraud, um, it's very important that uh, users. Uh, pay attention to website URLs or the, the website address. Uh, for instance, if it was you know cdc.gov as the CDC's website, um, the websites may have an address of cdc.net or cdc.com, which look like the CDC's website, but they're really not the, the legitimate uh, actual website. So it's important to pay close attention to the URL that's, that's on the website um, being used. Another uh, suggestion, uh, especially with businesses that are using uh, VPN connections lately for their uh, employees to telework, is to make sure that their online accounts and their VPN connections are set up to use what's called multi-factor authentication. Uh, in simple terms, it's the use of a password plus another method of authenticating that user's identity. And that could be where a text message or a phone call is made to the employee or to the user with a code that then the uh, user has to input along with their password. And that's a good way to, to prevent um, people from on, uh, illegally accessing uh, accounts or from signing on to websites um, with information that they may have stolen from elsewhere. Another good tip that uh, we've seen and we've recommended is to ensure that all computer software is up to date, uh, whether it's a tablet, a PC, uh, even a cell phone. Make sure all the uh, software is up to date and current because that'll also uh, keep the uh, virus software and the uh, any loopholes uh, closed to reduce the uh, risk, risk of any sort of infection. Uh, also, uh, for people who are buying things online, uh, 
we recommend that they research the online sellers, uh, just even a Google search with the name of the seller and the word review or the word complaint, or even the word scam uh, will, will sometimes tell you if other people have had uh, success uh, in purchasing things from that seller or if they were scammed. Uh, and whenever purchasing something online, it's really important to use a credit card, uh, not a debit card and not a gift card or anything like that, but use a credit card and record the transaction so that if something were to were to go wrong or the product wasn't delivered, the credit card company uh, could help with that sort of a dispute. Uh, in terms of some of the telephone scams we, we've been made aware of, um, everybody should just hang up on robocalls. Uh, some of those robocalls uh, will ask you to press a button on the keypad um, if you want to speak to a live operator or if you want to be removed from the call list. But in, in actuality, what ends up happening is when you press the number on the keypad, that just verifies that your phone number belongs to an actual human, and then the scammers or the advertisers know that that's a good phone number to keep calling. So we recommend just hang up on the scammers and or don't answer the call. Um, when people get text messages uh, that may be from the government, uh, it's important to remember that the government's not going to text you uh, generally uh, or communicate through text messages. So ignore any text messages that say, you know, your CD ch CDC uh, is asking for your information or the government has your stimulus check ready for you. Just go ahead and put in your account information. Just ignore those text messages. Uh, and along the same lines, um, caller ID information uh, is able to be uh, what's called spoofed or faked. And uh, some scammers will make their caller ID information look like they're calling from your bank or from a government entity when in actuality they're just scammers. So um, it's important to remember that, especially when there's a call coming through that's, that the caller ID indicates the bank and the person on the phone wants your account number and your social security number or your debit card PIN. It's important to take a step back and pause and remember that your bank's not going to ask for that information over the phone, even if it looks like the bank is actually calling on the caller ID. Um, and then in terms of donations, there's been a lot of uh, solicitations and a lot of discussion about charities and uh, crowdfunding sites that are trying to raise money for people affected by the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Um, before donating any money, it's important to research charities online. Uh, a good place to start is the Federal Trade Commission's website, which is www.ftc.gov. Uh, especially um, important is donations should be made uh, by credit card, never by gift card, never in cash, and definitely not by any sort of uh, wire, or money wire, um, because that's just what the scammers are looking for, is a quick way to get the money from you that's relatively untraceable. And then another thing, um, lastly, that we, we've been recommending to the public, especially business owners, uh, with, the, uh, with the stimulus money coming out, and being available for different businesses, uh, either loans or grants uh, or other sort of benefits, is to be aware of what's uh, the Federal False Claims Act, uh, which is a law that imposes liability on people and companies that make false claims uh, for payment to the federal government. Uh, many states have similar laws, and what this, this law does is it encourages whistleblowers to file suit on behalf of the government, um, and those people are called relators and they, uh, they stand to receive a portion of any money recovered. And the reason why this is important is uh, in, in recent years, a number of small businesses have run afoul of the uh, False Claims Act by falsely certifying either their status as a small business 
or by submitting inaccurate statements to the government um, in, in connection with one of these programs, whether it's a stimulus uh, or a loan program. So ways that businesses could uh, avoid getting into trouble with the False Claims Act is to really understand and detail the requirement of any government program uh, and to implement appropriate policies uh, and train their employees about those policies and about those program requirements. Uh, another thing that businesses can do is to be very um, careful about any statements that are made to the government in connection with these benefit programs or loans um, to make sure that there's not any sort of false statement included in these uh, statements that are going to the government. Uh, it's also important in, in the business sense to foster open and effective communication because a lot of the times these uh, relators that report these False Claims Act violations um, believe they've re observed improper conduct and that reporting uh, what they've observed to the government is the right thing to do and that they have no other recourse. So uh, when an employee uh, reports any sort of problems or concerns, management needs to seriously consider it and take uh, corrective steps. Uh, and that can include regular internal monitoring to make sure that uh, businesses are complying fully with any regulations and billing requirements. Uh, and lastly, uh, we'd recommend uh, that businesses consider self-reporting any potential violations uh, after speaking with their business's attorney because um, that can mitigate any sort of uh, damages or penalties under the False Claims Act. Well, that is certainly some valuable intelligence. I mean, I, you know, there were two or three things throughout that uh, series of points you made there that really uh, made me think about just things that I continue to see. And, you know, I, you know, I think everyone has a role to play as an individual because we all have families, we all have friends who are in business, and there's a lot of things that are unknown about how to do this. And so we're hoping people will hear your words here um, and, and share them with others so that uh, we can create a more informed uh, citizenry right now, which I think is very important. But, you know, there will be some people who fall victim to some of these scams. There will be uh, people who come across them. Um, what can what can people or our listeners or the broader community do to help you all uh, in reporting these things? Uh, is there a mechanism through your office that people can uh, get in touch with? There is. Um, you know, if they believe that they've been scammed uh, or fallen victim to a scam or a scheme, uh, they can they should uh, make a report to their local law enforcement first so that it's properly documented. Uh, and, and they can also um, provide a copy of the report to their credit card company, for instance, if, if their card number was compromised. Uh, that would be the first step. Uh, the second step would be to call the, um, the national hotline. The National Center for Disaster Fraud has a uh, hotline. That phone number is 866-720-5721. That's 866-720-5721. 5721. They also have an email address. It's disaster at leo, which is L-E-O, dot gov. And uh, your listeners can report uh, disaster fraud complaints through the hotline or through email. And then the uh, tips are uh, disseminated uh, throughout the uh, community to the appropriate jurisdiction. Wonderful. I appreciate you sharing that with everyone listening. And uh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Justin King, we sure do appreciate your time being on the show. Uh, I know we want to turn back to uh, the U.S. Attorney Keith uh, for a few final comments, but thank you for being with us. Uh, we appreciate all the hard work you're doing, and thanks for protecting our uh, our state and nation. 
Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Back with us again is U.S. Attorney Larry Keith for the Northern District of Florida. Mr. U.S. Attorney, uh, in closing here on the show, again, thanks for being with us. We appreciate your time. Is there anything else, a particular message you'd like to share with all of our listeners here in Tallahassee? Yes, no, I would be glad to, uh, you know, recapping on everything that we've said thus far uh, today and what Justin and I are seeing every single day uh, when we work uh, with the Department of Justice and the U.S. Attorney's Office is uh, right now what uh, what our country needs is for our leaders and policymakers to be able to focus on defeating this virus, healing the people who are ill with this virus, protecting those who are not yet affected or ill by the virus itself, and then uh, um, to have uh, safety and security while they formulate the policies that uh, um, will help us ameliorate some of the economic impacts and other things that uh, enable the country to function and to, for people to live their lives. Uh, uh, in order for all that to happen, we've got to make certain that they are protected uh, from any foreign threats or any domestic threats, uh, whether it be scammers or fraudsters that they're going to commit fraud and abuse in the stimulus uh, delivery uh, or in any other way. Uh, there are people that uh, wish us ill uh, in foreign countries and, uh, and domestically well beyond economic frauds and scams and just uh, for people to know that uh, the rule of law is in effect and that uh, their federal, state, and local law enforcement folks are switched on fully engaged 24-7 and will continue to do so to create this platform for uh, our leaders and policymakers to uh, defeat the virus and uh, get our country moving again. Well, I certainly want to thank you again for being with us. Uh, thanks for spending some time and offering your expertise uh, and uh, letting our listeners know all the things that are happening, both to protect them and protect our state and nation uh, from those who would seek to do harm during these troubling times. Uh, Mr. U.S. Attorney Larry Keefe, we sure do appreciate all that you're doing for us. We thank you for being on the show. Uh, I can't tell you how much we appreciate uh, all the hard work that you and your office are putting in uh, during the COVID-19 crisis. And we'll be looking forward to seeing and hearing more from your office in the coming months as we find out more about how we as citizens can help to protect ourselves during these times. Thank you again for your time, uh, energy, and effort. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. No, it's our honor and privilege uh, to share our mission with you uh, on the show, and uh, and it's our honor and privilege to serve other people of the great country. Ladies and gentlemen, the U.S. Attorney for the Northern District of Florida, Larry Keith, we want to thank him for coming on the show, as well as Assistant U.S. Attorney Justin King and sharing their expertise again with us and sharing some thoughts on how we can all protect ourselves and protect our community uh, during the COVID-19 crisis. We appreciate you, as always, for listening to the program. We thank you for tuning in for these special series of episodes that we're producing right now, and we'll look forward to talking with you again very soon. Thanks for listening, as always.